Welcome to the High Return Real Estate Show, the podcast for heavy hitters. Two men, one mission. It's time to build your empire. Welcome to the High Return Real Estate Show. This is Shecky, and I'm here with my partner, Jack. How you doing, Jack? Hey, everybody. Great to be here with you today. Awesome. We've got a great, great show for you today. We're going to really talk a lot about how the rental market is changing. And this is mostly due to millennials. And some of what we're going to discuss is the kind of lifestyle they have and how it relates to renting, what cities they're moving to. And if you own rental property or are considering buying some, you're going to want to listen very carefully to this entire episode because it's going to give you some really great insights into being a successful investor in the rental market. So Jack, tell us a little bit about who the millennials are. Yeah, you know, Shecky, this is fascinating subject as far as real estate investing goes, because this is the first group, uh, you know, in a long time, this first demographic that's actually rejecting buying a home. Yeah. And in, on a large scale, like, space. So we're talking about the largest demographic group now in the U.S. They've actually, uh, due to the mortality of the baby boomers, the uh, millennials are now the largest group. And so what they do is going to impact our economy and they're going to create, it's like almost like I think of it like a basketball moving through a garden hose as they move through different layers of their lives and stages of their lives. They're going to disrupt. They're going to change. They're going to have a huge impact on how things play out in our economy. So right now, and there's different, you know, there's different research that shows different ages, but predominantly we try to look at, okay, what is the, what do they most of the experts agree on? Most of them put them between ages 20 and 36 as of this recording in, you know, 2017. Yeah. They're nearly 76 million strong. And due to immigration of this age group, that number is continuing to increase. So, Shecky, this is going to be huge for all the real estate investors to understand where are the trends heading over the next decade compared to, um, you know, renting versus buying a home. Yeah, and, so, and you, you know, you bring up a good point, Jack, because much of how this is being driven is by the difference in lifestyle between what a millennial is and, you know, what a Gen X or even what a baby boomer is. It's just very, very different. So, for example, they're living with their parents longer. Um, probably has something to do with, you know, it's more difficult to get jobs now, even with college degrees and things like that. And it's just expensive to move out, right? But once they do move out, they do not want to live out in the burbs, okay? They typically want to move towards the center part of the city. Now, obviously, in most major cities, the closer you get to downtown, the more expensive it's going to be. So from a standpoint of a real estate investor, if you are hovering in that area that's 10 to 15 minutes from downtown, like think about this, somewhere where it's an easy bus ride, an easy bike ride, or an easy Uber ride to the center of town, you're in a really, really sweet spot as far as location from a standpoint of your investment, right? So obviously with living with their parents longer and moving to the city, 
they are also redefining some of the common institutions like marriage. So, you know, I'm a baby boomer and in my generation, you know, like, you know, if you weren't married by the time you're 25, I mean, there's something wrong with you, you know, and <laughs> now, now it's like, they're just waiting much longer to get married. So, so yeah, I'm right on the edge of the baby boomer, or sorry, the millennials. And uh, I can't believe you actually asked me if I was a baby boomer, dude. I'm, I'm 39. So <laughs> I anyway, didn't ask I, that. I, asked, I asked how I, you identify. I asked, <laughs> I, I act more mature. Uh, than my age, I guess. Let's go with that one. I'll go with that, right? <laughs> but, you know, so I have a lot of friends that are in this millennial category, and it's, it's so interesting how so many of them are just in no rush whatsoever to get married and have kids. Yeah. Well, it's just a redefinition of that um, institution. And there's no question, I think that has something to do with transience. So, again, when you get into this position where – Job security is not what it was like when I was growing up, right? When I was that age. And, and again, I, I am a baby boomer. It's just much more difficult now and people are hopping jobs a lot more often. That creates a lot more transience. Well, so they might, thing, go ahead. Yeah, just another thing to consider too is that the millennials are coming out saddled with extreme levels of, of debt, of college debt. Yeah. There's a lot of experts like, you know, one of my favorite, Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, he yep. says that this is the next major bubble is the millennials being strapped with so much college debt that that's also preventing them from being able to buy a home. Yeah, so absolutely. They're forced, they're forced into the rental market. Yeah, and, it, and it's not the same kind of debt as like debt that's leveraging an income property. That's a whole different kind of debt. And that's a whole right. different, that's a whole different podcast. Right. But um, the, the cool thing about these Gen Xers is they're not afraid to pick up and move to a new city for a new career, for a new opportunity, whatever. Right. And, and that presents some interesting things. So the question really is, how does this relate to real estate, Jack? Well, yeah, I think we're starting to, you know, uncover this and, but there's there's a lot more layers to this, you know, because of inflation and the cost of living, they're making less. Well, they're, they're actually making, probably making the same or more money, but they have less spending power than their parents or their grandparents. And yeah. then on top of that, with the strictness that's over the last decade that's unfolded due to the 2008 housing crash, it's a lot more strict terms for them to be able to get loans to buy houses. For sure. So they often either cannot afford to buy a house or they haven't built up the credit to buy a house. And especially in the areas where you just described where they really want to live, it's almost off the charts in terms of them being able to actually make it happen financially. So they're much more likely to rent and Another thing that's really a trend that's happened, you know, tech is such a huge, you know, part of our growing economy, a growing sector within our economy. I mean, I guess we could argue whether our economy is growing or not. I think a lot of people would say it's, it's barely um, creeping along, but they really want to live in cities that have a good sized tech community. And that's where, you know, things really get interesting, Shecky, is what's going on with you know, the tech job sector and where are those jobs starting to transition to? Yeah, uh, obviously. And, and as many of you know, I spent a lot of years in Austin 
and was there experiencing the explosive growth that happened in that city and continues to happen. And it's a great city, not to take anything away from it. But I was like the frog in the boiling water. And, you know, you spend, actually for me, it was less than a decade in a place. And, and that turned into a completely different city in eight or nine years. And it's just complete gridlock. Like you can't, you can't get around. And prices have essentially doubled and tripled in some places in a very, very short period of time. So from an appreciation play, certainly it's great. From an affordability standpoint, it's absolutely impossible. And, you know, you look at some of the obvious places like San Jose, Silicon Valley, New York, Boston, LA, Chicago, and Austin. These are all sort of the deep-seated tech cities in our country. These are ones that have long been known for big tech hubs in our country. Um, however, if you look down that list, what's interesting is they're also happen to coincide with some of the most expensive places to live in our country. Right. So w what's interesting is that, that what's not so obvious what's going on right now is there's this really cool trend, and some of our listeners probably already know about this already, for tech companies to base their operations in key cities in the Midwest. I mean, you look at, you know, cities like, uh, you know, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, where I am, you know, it's there. These are places that have really great technical infrastructures, but the cost of living is significantly less. And, and they're good enough sized cities where you can attract, you know, millennials that still want to go and do cool things and fun things and have a good bar and restaurant scene and food scene and fitness scene and all that kind of stuff, right? Like they, they don't want to be in a small town. So it's, it's really an interesting, perfect storm, right? So these places, you know, like that I had mentioned and, and other places, even Detroit to an extent and even Kansas City to an extent are becoming major, major players in the tech industry. So we as real estate investors have to really keep an eye on this trend. And it's very exciting to see what's happening because it just creates a broader and more stable rental base for us when we own properties in those kinds of towns. So Shecky, uh, I got a question for you. So you're a perfect example of, of somebody that was in an explosive tech city in Austin yeah, I mean, obviously it just booming and real estate was just getting off. It's going off the charts there. And then you moved to Indianapolis, you know, to set up our operations. What was the difference in, did you see in rent between the two? I mean, you're renting and so you, you have a firsthand perspective of the difference between the two cities. I mean, what do you, what do you see? How much difference is there? <laughs> wow. you're, you're downtown, you're downtown Indianapolis. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, like from a personal standpoint, obviously I miss my friends and I miss some of the warmer weather of being down South, right? And Austin's a great city, but I don't miss the cost of living there. And I just comparatively, I live like a king in Indianapolis. Um, I got an apartment downtown, right downtown in the, you know, we're in a really, really great location. I'm in a beautiful historic building that uh, was converted into residences. I have a, you know, a beautiful view of the city. I have a gorgeous two-bedroom, high ceilings. For me to have the kind of place that I had like this in Austin, 
instead of my rent starting, it's a four digit number, okay, but it starts with a one. If I were to have the same kind of place in downtown Austin with the same amenities and the same view, that number would start with a four. Wow. Okay? Just wow. to put things in perspective. And obviously in New York, it might start with a six, right? Yeah. But it's, you know, or more, you know, depending on, you know, neighborhoods change block to block. But I'm in really the, the best part of downtown Indy. Um, and there's a lot of little pockets, but I'm in a really great pocket. So, um, so yeah, it's just been night and day. And then obviously from a standpoint of an investor, um, you know, you and I both know this. It's like, like being like a kid in a candy store when you look at some of the costs of what you can buy stuff for in, some, in cities like this, especially when you come from other places that are so expensive. And we see a lot of our investors that come here. They're just, their mind is blown with, with how far their dollar can go. Um, and it's really, really attractive. So no wonder these companies are relocating their tech, you know, operations to these cities that are more affordable for their millennial worker base. Yeah, because they can pay them a good working salary and the, that employee can then have a decent life and they're not spending every last bit just to make the rent, you know, and, you know, again, for us as investors, that's even better. I mean, do we want a renter that's stretching every penny just to make our, make our rent payment? Or do we want somebody that can make the rent payment comfortably? I mean, again, these are nuances of real estate investing. But when you start looking at the big picture, they're pretty important. Absolutely. So let's take a look at these markets, you know, in the Midwest, you got Kansas City, we talked about Indianapolis, Detroit, Cincinnati, Cleveland, these are all great considerations. And these are, these are good um, rental cash flow producing markets where they have good price to rent ratios, but the yep. smart, savvy investor, like all of our listeners, are going to dial it in a little more. You're going to look at things like state taxes, cost of insurance, you know, legalities of eviction, stability, you know, the areas and the crime rates. Are there any, you know, are there, are there war zones? Yeah. And of course, the main one, and really the only thing, I shouldn't say only, but it really is the only thing I care about <laughs> when you <laughs> roll it all down, is what is the ROI? What kind of return on investment am I getting? That is what I'm most concerned about. So when we talk about state taxes, you know, look at in Indianapolis or Indiana as a whole, you know, it's capped at 2% uh, for, uh, you know, investors. Um, contrast that to my hometown here in St. Joe, Michigan, you can get taxes as high as 5%. And then your cost of insurance, um, there's not a lot of, apparently there's not a lot of, you know, major claims in Indianapolis. It's or Indiana, I should say, um, not a hurricane belt. It's not a flood belt. It's not uh, a big natural disaster belt. So yeah, that can keep the overall you know cost of, of insuring your property way down. And then um, legalities of eviction. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> our property management team is actually. I don't know if they were joking. I think they were actually serious so that you could have a lease on a napkin. Signed by the tenant on a napkin, take that into the judge, and it would hold up in the court of law. So contrast that to you know other states like uh, New York, where it takes six months or more to get your tenant you know out of you know, of your property if they stop paying. 
you know, we have a lot of great qualities here. Um, stability, crime rate, there's not a, there's not, there's no war zones. Of course, um, that creates a lot of more stability in your market. And um, all that is going to affect your ROI and especially your price to rent ratio. That's the main thing that I look at is what's the price to rent ratio and then all these other things really add up. And then, you know, that's what, you know, Shecky and I have been so attracted to this particular part of the country. So, Shecky, take it away, man. Yeah, I know that's, you can bring up some really great points and, and really all those things like the taxes and insurance and, you know, how fast you can evict somebody if they're not paying, that sort of stuff. Those are, those are the nuances that are going to separate the seasoned investor from someone who is just only looking at ROI. And I agree with you, ROI is the most important number. I totally agree. Uh, but, you, you know, for example, it could easily be said, like Chicago is only three hours drive from here. It could easily be said that Illinois is the Midwest, right? It's the next state over, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it, however, if you started looking at, uh, you know, even if you got outside of Chicago where it's very expensive and you got into, you know, some of the other middle-sized cities in Illinois, Springfield, whatever, uh, and you start looking at similar price properties and rents and things like that, even if you got close, you'd get creamed on the other stuff. You'd get creamed on the taxes, you'd get creamed on the insurance, you'd get creamed on eviction procedures, things like that. So this is, these are the, just some of the things that we want to bring to light for our investors. So anyway, that's, uh, I feel like a really, really good overview for everybody to really understand, you know, just in review, think about millennials, think about the kinds of cities, the kinds of places you want to invest in, think about the areas that you want to invest in, right? This is no longer a world where your investments have to be in your own backyard, right? Because your own backyard may not necessarily lend itself well to some of these other nuances that we talked about, all right? So, Again, our, our goal is just to help everybody be better investors and, and be smarter investors. And that said, yeah. man, the next podcast, Jack, oh, we're going to have some fun with that one. So <laughs> I know everybody says, you know, never discuss sex or politics or anything like that. But uh, that's exactly what we're going to do. That's what actually. we're going to do, right? <laughs> yeah, we're going to do it anyway, right? So it's, it's been interesting watching some of the, and, and obviously, we're not going to make a stand one way or another about which side of the political fence anybody is on. So let me just soothe everybody's soul with that right away. This is not a, we're, we're, this is not a hate argument, right? This is, an art, this is a discussion to look at what are the things that we need to look at and what are the trends that we're seeing now that we have a Trump presidency and how might that affect real estate investors. So it's, uh, it's going to be really, really interesting. We've got some really, really great stats and some, some interesting articles that have come out that we're going to reference. And uh, we'd love to have you obviously listen to that podcast as well. So yeah. we appreciate, go ahead. You had something okay, to say? Check, you know, what we're trying to teach through this podcast is how to position yourself in front of the trends versus being behind the trend. If you can position yourself and your investment portfolio in front of the trends, then you can afford to make a few mistakes because the momentum is going to push you forward. So 
if you look at the trends, demographic, political, you know, that all affects the economic trends. So you're positioning yourself ahead of trends, a big millennial, you know, tidal wave that's like coming. You're in front of that. You can be owning property that you know that you're going to have rental pool for the next decade and beyond. And then you look at the political trends. That's what we're going to hit on next week because how's that going to affect you? So that's really what we want to help you guys to understand and educate you on so that you can, you can win no matter what the climate is or what the climate becomes. Yeah. Well said, brother. That's great. Uh, being ahead of the trends. That's beautiful. Uh, so if you got value out of this podcast, please share it. You know, leave us a review. We really, really appreciate that. And of course, if you want any information about how you can create high returns for yourself, just head over to our website. It's spelt just like it sounds, highreturnrealestate.com. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Jack, for your insights. And uh, we'll, we'll see you on the next podcast. All right, Jackie. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.